welcome back to the Self-Care Keto Podcast, or if you're new here, welcome for the first time. I am your coach, Jess, and I'm helping you create a magical experience to release the weight from your body and soul. So today's episode is all about keto. With the new year and many of us starting or restarting keto, it is a perfect time to nerd out with me and raise your passion and motivation for just how much keto can transform your life. That's my story. You're going to hear about it on this episode. Whether you're new to keto or whether you've been in it or in and out of it for years, this episode is for you. And it's also a fantastic episode to share with anybody who's concerned about whether or not keto is healthy or whether it's right for them. This is actually a guest episode where my friend Crystal featured me recently on her podcast, Go Hard Chick. So we're going to be addressing all of the questions that beginners typically ask, like what even is keto? What are the benefits of keto? What's the difference between keto and low carb and some other popular diets that are out there? Is keto healthy? Who is a good candidate for keto? What about raising cholesterol levels? Can you have alcohol on keto? And how long do you need to stay on keto to lose weight? And so many more sciencey questions. But you guys know that I can't possibly just nerd about nerd out about the science without also nerding out about the mindset stuff. So we're going to get into some really fantastic mindset shifts surrounding food and weight and body image and all of that stuff as well. So I'm so glad that you're here, that you're listening. This is a fantastic episode to kick off the new year, and I know you're going to love it. So thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. Welcome to the Go Hard Chick Podcast. This is your host, Crystal Holmes. And today I'm bringing you episode 52. We're going to talk all about keto with my girl, Jess Reed of the Keto Fit. Go Hard Chicks. Keto has been quite the hot topic as of late. Some people love keto. Some people hate keto. Some people don't have a clue what keto is all about. So, No matter where you stand on the keto topic or the keto diet, this episode is for you. Whether you've been on the keto diet for a while and you think you know all about it, Jess is a wealth of knowledge. There is something in this episode that you will learn that you didn't know before. And the flip side is if you don't have a clue what the keto diet is or how to do it, this episode's for you as well. So I encourage you, no matter where you stand on the keto diet, take a listen in, learn something new because Jess has it all. Now, let me tell you about Jess. She is a coach. She helps women heal their relationship with food, weight, and body image, primarily by using the keto diet. It was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with Jess. I always enjoy talking with fellow coaches and and people who love health and wellness. And um, we shared a really candid discussion about our relationship with food as children or how our relationship with food kind of develops as children and how it can affect us well into adulthood and the importance of unpacking that and recognizing it so that we can be successful with our health and wellness as we grow. So I really enjoyed this conversation. 
I hope you listen in and you enjoy it as well. So without further ado, welcome to the Go Hard Chick podcast. Go Hard Chick, just read. Welcome to the Go Hard Chick podcast. Jess, I'm so thrilled that you are here today. We're going to talk about keto. That's something I haven't really discussed yet on the podcast. So this is appropriate and I'm thrilled. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Crystal. I'm really excited. So Jess, before we get into what keto is and the benefits of keto and how fabulous it is, (laughs) please, I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. So my name's Jess, um, Jess Reed, and I am a certified life coach and weight loss coach. So I say that I love to help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. Um, I'm 37 years old. I have been eating keto for the last nine years, and I've been a coach for the last five years. Started my coaching practice as a side hustle while I was still working full-time, and then right before the pandemic hit, I quit my full-time job and (laughs) decided to go full-time as um, a coach, and I absolutely love it. Um, I work from home. My husband works from home, so we're doing that whole work-from-home lifestyle. I have a daughter who just turned six, so she's in first grade, and it's such a fun age. Um, I love coffee. I love binging podcasts and your podcast is fantastic as well. I love walking. Um, So yeah, I'm just kind of a nerd for all things like personal development and nutrition. And yeah, it's a little bit about me. Yeah. I mean, well, I am not fortunate enough to be at home all the time yet uh, working (laughs) from home. I'm envious of Mm -hmm. that. But Yes, I'm kind of like you. I love all things health and wellness. So I'm thrilled Mm -hmm. to, I'm always thrilled to talk to somebody else in the health and wellness space, particularly coaches. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is super exciting. Now, Jess, you mentioned that you found keto and then you obviously later became a coach. How how Mm -hmm. did you first find keto? How did you first decide that this was something you wanted to try? Well, back when I discovered keto, it wasn't really known as keto yet. Um, the, the quote unquote keto diet, like really just took off, I think in the mainstream more in like 2016. Um, so in 2013, I actually started eating Atkins. And so Mm. Atkins is a low carb diet that kind of has like a multi-phase approach. So he works through Dr. Atkins works through four phases and the initial phase, which some of your listeners might be familiar with Atkins, it's called induction is the initial phase. And that essentially is a keto diet. But at the time, I didn't even know the word ketosis or anything like that. I just knew that Atkins was something that my mom and aunts had done when I was in high school to basically lose five pounds during the week and then eat pizza on the weekends. Like to me, this was actually a fad diet. And that is kind of what I was looking for. I was looking for a way to lose 10 pounds as quickly as possible because I started Um, the first Thursday of November in 2013, like seems kind of random, but Thanksgiving was coming up. I was um, probably, you know, as it's so funny, actually, it's about to be my, it's about to be my ketoversary coming up here soon. But you know, three weeks before Thanksgiving, I was freaking out because I'm like, I'm the heaviest I've ever been. 
I'm about to see people that I haven't seen in years. And I was just kind of panicked. And I was like, what can help me lose weight as fast as possible? And I didn't care if it was healthy or whatever. I, I honestly just thought it was a short term fix. Um, so that's the mindset that I went into it with, which was the mindset that I pretty much went into every diet with. Um, and that was my pattern from the time that I was, you know, a teenager. It's just kind of that diet mentality. Um, I struggled with my weight my whole life. I was overweight as a kid. And, you know, my kind of well-meaning uh, mom and other older women in my life basically taught me what they knew, which was all the wrong things, <laughs> which was, you know, eat as low calorie as possible, eat low fat, um, try to do as much cardio as you possibly can. Essentially, this like restriction punishment mentality, I picked up a lot of limiting beliefs. And I mean, from the time I was a kid, like seven years old, um, my mom taught me how to count calories when I was 10. Um, I was like doing all of the disordered eating things by the time I was 13 and just constantly my whole life, I had a running total of calories running in the background of my head. Um, I thought that I thought that my body was broken. My metabolism was slow as I was taught when I was a kid. And I just basically looked at food was kind of my enemy. It was an all or nothing mentality. I was either eating perfect or I was completely off the rails I looked at it like normal people were skinny and could eat whatever they want, but I was a screwed up person that needed something outside of myself to fix me. I carried a lot of shame. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like, I mean, I was, I was definitely overweight as a kid. I kind of lost, uh, I got into a healthy weight range by the time I hit puberty through disordered means, but I always saw myself as an overweight person from the time I, that I actually got back to a normal weight around 13 years old but I always saw myself as huge, like total body dysmorphia is what, is what there's a name for that psychologically. And so I, I struggled with that all the way through my twenties. And then, um, in my mid twenties, I went through kind of a traumatic experience and like, I truly did pack on 40 pounds in the course of the year. That's where I found myself when I found Atkins in uh, 2013. And yeah, like I said, I really just thought it was going to be like a two week thing. And I did lose 10 pounds in the first two weeks, but what I did not expect was how I felt so different. Like I finally, for the first time, felt satiety. In other words, actually felt full for the first time. Um, the food cravings of just like the typical thing was like restrict all day, eat a quote unquote healthy dinner, and then snack, the snack attack would begin. And like I would need something sweet and then salty and then sweet and then salty. And so this new way of eating, um, I just felt satisfied and I would eat a dinner and I wouldn't feel like I needed to snack after dinner. And it was so incredible to me. And the food freedom was so incredible to me that within the first two weeks, I was like, I'm never going back. Why has no one ever told me about this before? And why are people only doing this for a week? Like, why would you? And so it was a complete, just totally like mental shift for me. And then I started actually learning about ketosis and I started understanding what was actually happening in my body, but I fell in love with it before I even understood it. I just thought it was magical. <laughs> wow. Gosh, yeah. just like your story. I mean, if I think back, I, I even tried Atkins, but I don't think I lasted more than a few days. <laughs> I mean, I, I went through a period of time where I was just on this whole yo-yo dieting thing. I was trying mm -hmm. whatever was fad and popular. Um, and you brought oh, yeah. up something that really resonated with me. I never really thought about my own journey just in this way, but just how we pick up things from our families, you mm -hmm. know, we're taught how to eat or how to diet or how to not eat properly from what the, those closest to us, our families. And yeah. that was 
fascinating to hear that you were taught how to count calories at 10. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you know, looking back over my childhood, I don't know that I was, um, taught to diet, but definitely there were behaviors with food that affected me in my adulthood. So that I'm glad you brought that up. That's very interesting. And I think it's important for us all, um, you know, the listeners in particular to who may be struggling to just look over their family history, all the way back to the point of childhood. Absolutely. I do that with my clients quite a bit. And the reason for that is actually because most of our um, hard wiring of our brain, our our conditioning, the, the beliefs that we were taught growing up. When we're children, our brains are highly susceptible and we just take in everything as though it's automatic truth. Of course, why would we not? These are the people that are supposed to be the experts and they know everything. And so we're supposed to be able to trust them. And I'm not saying that they're untrustworthy. They're just doing the best that they can with the tools that they have at the time. But this gets hardwired into us and this becomes our beliefs. And out of our beliefs, all of our thoughts take place. About 95% of our thoughts and behavior are completely subconscious, meaning it's just running on autopilot based on our hard wiring formed in childhood, the worldview that was passed on to us. And so we we use this word self-sabotage all the time, right? Like, why do I keep self-sabotaging on my diet or self-sabotaging in any goal that we have for ourselves? Well, self-sabotage is essentially just when our willpower runs out and we default back into line with our beliefs because... Um, when we want to change something, when we want a different result, we think, well, I'll just change my behavior to get a different result. But that's just the outermost layer of the onion. And that's true. If you change your behavior, you will get a different result. But what is underneath our behavior is our thoughts and our feelings. And where do our thoughts and our feelings come from? It comes from the core of who we are, which is like this cemented level of our beliefs. And so if we want to change our behavior long-term. Anybody can do short-term behavior modification. We do it all the time. We've all lost the same five pounds over and over again, or we keep cycling through these same behaviors. And when our willpower runs out, well, then our beliefs just take over. The subconscious autopilot stuff just takes over. And so if we really want to find success long-term, we have to change our beliefs. And that does look like, wait, what do I actually believe here? I do believe my body is fighting me. I believe my body is broken. Where did I get that from? Oh, well, it's because my mom taught me that I'm just different, that my metabolism is slow. Okay, what does that even mean? Like I, when I was a seven, I didn't know what metabolism was. So I just received this message of there's something wrong with you. It's you. The problem is you. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, no, the problem wasn't me. The problem was the food. The problem was the strategy. But because I thought the problem was me and because, you know, just little things, we all go through this, but like, you know, your mom and aunts are sitting around the table and they're all just joking around and they make a passing comment like, oh yeah, all the women in the, in our family are just thick or big boned or have junk in the trunk or whatever it might be. And so you're just a little kid and you're looking around and they're laughing about it. And you're like, okay, basically my destiny is I'm going to look like all the women in my family. Or if all the women in your family have diabetes or just whatever it is, and you're kind of just taught like, oh, this is just a thing in our family. And you think you're just doomed to it no matter what. And so you just try to make the best, make the best of the situation that you, that you can, but you're carrying a lie and it's such a heavy burden for you to carry. And, but the good news is that our brains can be rewired. And so that's what a good coach does is they actually help you to rewire your beliefs and rewire your brain. Yes. Yes. And it's funny because you, 
earlier today, I, like you, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was listening to mm -hmm. a podcast with, have you heard of Dr. Bruce Lipton? No, I don't think I have. <laughs> you should check him out. But that yeah. he talks all about how our brains, and in this particular episode, he was talking about how up until the age seven, children are just downloading information. Mm -hmm. Like they don't understand it, but they're just taking it all in. They're listening to what parents are saying. They're listening to what people are saying around them. And they're like little recorders. And so, yeah. I mean, just hearing you talk about that is just, that's so important that many of us, and I'm just really starting to learn myself, just how much things that happened to me in my childhood have impacted me in my adulthood. So mm -hmm. that's great. That's great. So let me stop babbling about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> and let's jump into keto. So, so Jess, tell me or tell the listeners who may not really understand what is keto? Okay. So keto is short for ketosis and ketosis means that your body is breaking down ketones for fuel. And ketones are the byproduct of when your body breaks down fat for fuel. So essentially think of your body as like a hybrid car where you can run on two different fuel sources. So the same way that a car can run on gas or electricity, it's a hybrid, your body is a hybrid. And your body can run off of either carbs, which is glucose, or off of fat, which essentially breaks down to ketones. So those are kind of your two fuel sources. And your body has like an automatic order of priority that when both fuel sources are present, it's going to use carbs first. And actually there is another fuel source that not a lot of people are aware of. Alcohol is a fuel source. And that is the number one order of priority. So when there's alcohol in your body, your body is like burn alcohol first, then burn carbs, then burn fat. Wow. And so, <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Right. Right. And so your body is super smart and has all of this stuff just programmed into you for survival. It's brilliant. You don't even have to think about it. It's all your autonomic nervous system, all this stuff happening behind the scenes. And it is to serve you. So taking this information as your body is not fighting you, it's actually always serving you. It's a beautiful mechanism that's set up brilliantly designed. And so essentially what you're doing is you're intentionally, um, withholding or removing, reducing carbohydrates in order to get your body to start burning fat as the primary fuel source. So why do we want to do this? Well, <clears throat> there are some really great benefits of being a fat burner instead of primarily a sugar burner. The number one thing is satiety. In other words, feeling full. So can you lose weight without keto? A hundred percent. People do it all the time. But usually when you're, um, you know, just counting calories or just reducing your food intake, you start to feel really hungry all the time and you become even more obsessed with food, right? Um, or you start to experience a blood sugar roller coaster. So what's happening here is that when your body consumes carbohydrates, that translates to glucose or sugar in your bloodstream. And um, then if you have an excess of that in your bloodstream, that's dangerous. That's like energy toxicity in your cells. And so you have this hormone that comes in called insulin and it ushers the excess of glucose and it put, it says, we're going to save this for later and converts it into fat and stores it in your fat cells. Brilliant. Right? So this is, you know, think back how this has served us throughout all of human history in times when there was food disparity that we would actually need to do that. And other mammals do this, like think of like a bear hibernating. So all mammals have this capability. And so essentially, um, 
insulin is a fat storage hormone. So think about the modern way that we eat. I'm not saying carbs are bad, but just think about the modern way that most standard Americans eat. It's a constant inflow of carbohydrates and it's spiking our blood sugar. And then insulin comes in and stores it all as fat. And so it's not just what we eat, but how often we eat as well. And so we're like eating every two hours, right? I don't know where we got this from, but think back to like, even so much as 30 to 50 years ago, people didn't do that. People would just eat three meals a day and it would be balanced of like protein, um, carbs and fat and, you know, just get on with life. But now there's like dessert and there's snacks everywhere you go and keep these, you know, uh, carby bars in your purse in case, you know, you're out and about and whatever. It's just food is just everywhere. And so our bodies are not set up to handle that. And so essentially we have an obesity crisis because we have way too many carbohydrates the types of carbs that we're eating are not found in nature. They're like man-made in, in a chemical lab. And what it's meant to do is it's meant to just like light your brain on fire and make you want more, more, more because people stand to make a lot of money from that. So these foods are literally designed to be so pleasurable. Um, <laughs> you won't find that in nature, but it like lights your brain on fire and it, it's like an addiction. And so your, your um, blood sugar spikes really, really high. And as soon as you hit that dip, which is what goes up must come down, then your body is like, oh God, we need more carbs because we just ran out. And so eat more, eat more. And so a lot of us can relate to that feeling of, you know, just like eating a high carb dinner. That's what was happening to me. Eating a high carb dinner, my blood sugar would spike really, really high. And then about an hour later, as soon as it would start to come down, my brain would compel me. We want more of that. And so I never understood the mechanism that was happening there. Um, hangry is another thing that we joke around about. Um, you have you don't have that anymore. Once your blood sugar just kind of stays steady and stable, and you don't need to be eating in a ketogenic state in order to do that. You can do this just through like making sure that you're balancing your macronutrients in your meal. Um, but essentially, satiety is like the biggest selling point of a ketogenic diet because you're eating foods that are high in protein and high in fat. And those keep your body fuller longer because it takes your body longer to break down those foods than it does to break down carbs. So if you're it's like you're giving yourself just like a fast shot of uh, like energy or almost like caffeine, like it just goes woo, so much energy and then it comes back down and now you need more. It's like, um, um, basically like it's like fat and protein is like putting a log on the fire. It's going to take a really long time for that to burn until you actually get hungry again. And so weight loss becomes easy when you're not hungry all the time. <laughs> and so it sounds so simple, but that's really what's happening there. Right, right. And you, yes, you hit the nail on the head on quite a few things. And I try to tell my clients like, listen, you keep eating these bad, highly processed or ultra processed, you know, snacks and foods. And that is the majority of what you're eating, you know? And so you, you, like you said, it's just this up and down roller coaster all day long of overeating, overeating and overeating and hunger. And they can't seem to get off that roller coaster. So that's why I like keto because for all, all the reasons that you explained now, let's go a little deeper because I'm sure people are going to want to know, <laughs> You can have carbs on a keto diet, but how much? How much can you have a day, say, for example? Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, and the the ultimate answer is that it's bio-individual, meaning every person has a different threshold in terms of how many carbs they can tolerate before they switch into a state of ketosis. Um, for some people, it might be 50 a day. For some people, it might be 100 a day. For some people, it might be 20 a day. And really what it has to do with is it's your level of what's called insulin resistance. 
And so remember, insulin is that fat storage hormone. And so what happens is when we've gone years on end of keeping our blood sugar super high, then insulin remains super high. And over time, our body becomes like resistant to it. It's almost like when you take a drug for so long that you have to keep taking more and more of it to get the same effects, your body builds up a tolerance and a resistance. And so the signals are just kind of like dulled. And so you can heal insulin resistance. And the way to do that is typically through a low carb diet, through keeping your blood sugar stable and your body can heal itself and reset itself. Um, but if you are insulin resistant, then chances are that you're going to be super sensitive to carbohydrates. And you may be a person that needs to keep them even lower in order to heal your insulin resistance and to start to see weight loss progress. Um, <clears throat> but if somebody's looking for a number to start with, I tend to start my clients at around 50 grams of carbohydrates per day. We'll see how they do. And then if they're not seeing progress, then I would say let's scale it down to 40 and then 30 and so on and so forth. Um, don't go too hard too fast. I think kind of the standard recommendation out there is like 20 carbs per day. And I just think that that's so low that it leaves no room for like actual um, fruits and vegetables that have fiber and fiber also produces satiety and volume is important. People like, I know a lot of us are volume eaters and we want to eat like a nice big plate of food food. And it feels really pleasurable for the food experience to take a while to get through your plate of food. Um, these, what we would call keto foods. Um, so like high fat foods, like one tablespoon of butter has like a hundred calories. You could have a hundred calories of broccoli, which would be like probably three cups, like a broccoli, right? And so I'm not saying don't eat fat, but I think the typical advice with a ketogenic diet is to eat like 75% fat um, and about 20% protein and 5% carbs. I'm kind of more of like a 30% protein because I really believe in the benefits of protein and probably like 10% carbs and 60% fat. Um, so that's kind of where I like to play around with my clients. Um mainly because again, eating all those high fat foods, we're such volume eaters that like, okay, who eats one tablespoon of, of peanut butter? Uh, nobody. nobody. Like, <laughs> like I, I will be like half the jar deep in peanut butter. Like seriously, if you just give me a spoon, it's all over with. Right. And so a lot of times these high fat foods that are quote unquote allowed on keto can really hold you back because it's so calorically dense and it's so pleasurable to eat that food. Nuts is another thing. Like that's just a trigger food for me. And like, me too. that's a good, <laughs> delicious, healthy, high fat food, but it's so good. And it's so salty and it's so fatty. And then you just keep eating it and eating it mindlessly. Um, so you still kind of have to have some intention. You can't just like be like, give me a list of keto foods. Okay, great. I can have a free for all with all these foods. You still do have to have some intention. It's not just about ketosis. It's still that you do need to have a calorie deficit in order to lose weight. But when you're in a state of ketosis and you're eating um, highly satisfying foods, high protein, high fat, you get fuller faster and it makes it easier for you to not eat as many calories without counting them and without thinking about it and obsessing over it. Okay, cool. Now, let me ask you this. Is there a difference between keto and low carb? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So essentially, um, keto falls under the umbrella of low carb diets. Um, I think that kind of the standard definition of a low carb diet is probably anything about 130 carbs or less per day. And so you'll find a lot of variations of low carb diets out there. Um, Atkins is one of them. That's like a multi-phase approach where you start off like really low in carbohydrates. In other words, start off kind of with a keto and then you do that for at least two weeks and it kind of helps to reset your body. And then you start to bring in some more foods and maybe you're moving your way up. Um, 
the, they call it the carb ladder. And then um, you eventually get to a place where you're maintaining your weight. And then he, the, the standard device is to kind of figure out your carb threshold, like how many carbs can I eat per day while maintaining my weight? Um, so, but a lot of people do fantastic with a low carb diet. I would say, you know, you don't, again, you don't have to be keto lose weight, but I do think it has some really special properties and some really magical properties. One of them is satiety, but another one is, um, when you switch to being primarily a fat burner, you get a lot more energy and there's so many health benefits to it hormonally. Um, it affects your, your brain chemistry. It affects your, your neurons. A lot of people feel like an elevated mood. Like it's honestly, it's kind of like a thing that like people in Silicon Valley do it the same way with like intermittent fasting because that produces ketones. Um, but like they call it like biohacking, like people get really into this and it helps them to get into a flow state and unlock creativity and things like that. So there's some really, really cool, um, like brain properties of ketones that are beneficial. Um, but as far as weight loss goes, the main benefit of the ketones is the, the appetite suppression. Um, but again, a, a low carb diet can be really, really great for somebody that's trying to heal insulin resistance. You don't need to necessarily go all the way down to a very low carb ketogenic diet. I would say the main point of eating low carb um, is different carbs. Not all carbs are created equal. Like Snickers carbs is not the same thing as sweet potato carbs. <laughs> so like some people call them slow carbs. So you could look up like a slow carb diet or essentially like you're only eating carbs like potatoes or whatever, something that takes a long time for your body to break down as opposed to like, you know, a Snickers bar is like your body's done processing that in like 20 minutes, you know? Um, so there, yeah, there's a lot of variations and I'm not like, I'm not like a diehard enthusiast, like keto or bust. I just think it's such a fantastic tool that most people never experience. And it's a completely natural, normal metabolic state that our bodies are designed to dip into. And I'm just really passionate about teaching people about it and saying, try it at least once, like give it two weeks and see how you feel. Cause you don't know how good you can feel until you know how good you can feel. And then you don't have to stay in a state of ketosis forever. You can cycle with it. You can use it as, you know, just a tool in your toolkit. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, well, it, I think it's getting, or it is pretty popular now, but there's still a segment of the population, if you will, that believes that keto is not healthy. It's not safe. Yeah. So can you, can you speak sure. on that? Sure. Um, so basically it's impossible to say with hundred percent certainty that it is safe because we lack the long-term longitudinal studies. Um, it's just not been studied long-term, but ever since 2016, when, um, you know, it's really started to take off in the mainstream, they are starting to do these long-term studies. So I can't just sit here and be like, Hey, everybody, it's scientifically proven that it's safe to do, but I can tell you about my experience. Um, and I can tell you about my client's experience and I can tell you about the history of human, <laughs> human nature is essentially that, you know, it is a completely normal, natural state. Think about times of food disparity, when we were hunters and gatherers, you know, our bodies are meant to dip into this state where, okay, I don't have food available to me right now. I need to burn my stored body fat for fuel. And when you're doing that, you, you um, start producing ketones. So it's a completely normal, natural state. I would think, why would that be unhealthy? Now, I don't think that we're meant to be in a state of ketosis forever and ever and ever. I don't think even our ancestors did that. I think when food was present, okay, great. Now berries are in season. You better believe they're picking berries and they're not going to be like, no, I only eat meat. <laughs> they're going to eat what's available to them. And our bodies are designed to, to do all of it, right? Um, so 
personally, I'm nine years in going strong. Um, you know, for the most part, I am in a state of mild ketosis. Um, but I eat probably now around 100 to 150 carbs per day. And I still burn ketones like I'm still you can test it. That's, a, that's the cool thing about this diet is it's like the one thing where you can actually test to make sure you're doing it right. Because ketones show up in your body markers, it shows up in your breath, it shows up in your urine, and it shows up in your blood. So you can actually test. Um, and so you can see like, okay, how many carbs can I tolerate and still actually be burning ketones as well. And so I found like, you know, I eat of course, all of my um, carbs are coming from real, what I call real food, fruits and vegetables, but I eat fruit sometimes three times a day now. When I first started eating keto, I thought fruit was the devil. Like I was like, oh God, no, carbs, carbs are bad everywhere. But I've learned so much over time that again, it, you know, fruit is not the same thing as a Kit Kat bar. It's completely different. So um, is it, to answer your question, is it safe long-term? Again, I can speak from my experience. To me, it doesn't make any rational sense that it would not be safe. Our bodies are designed to be able to do this. But again, um, you know, everybody's bio individual and it actually may have something to do with your personal genetics and where your family ancestry is from and things like that. There's like a lot of books that are out about that. But like, think about like um, people like, <clears throat> like Eskimo tribes that basically live off of like seals, seal meat and blubber. And they, they essentially like have a carnivore diet right? But maybe people that are more like from South America, um, you know, they're not, they're not following that type of diet. And so it may also be that your particular carb tolerance has something to do with your genetics as well. We're only starting to study all of these things. Right. And I think that part of the misconception comes into play is that people think you can't eat any or very little vegetables and or fruits like you touched on. Um, and so people mm -hmm. are afraid of that. Um, also, it might just be the fear of letting go of some of those carbs <laughs> yeah. because we're so, we're yeah. so addicted, but I, I think the keto diet is quite appropriate for, for certain people. And maybe you can speak on that. Like, who is this, a, who mm -hmm. would be a good candidate for keto? Great. Well, essentially anybody that's overweight would be a great candidate for keto um, because overweight um, or obesity, um, there's a, there's a metabolic issue going on there. Like chances are that you do have some level of insulin resistance. Now you can actually get your blood work taken to see whether or not you do have some level of insulin resistance. Um, but essentially if your A1C is high and not in a normal range, you're a great candidate for keto or at least low carb. Um, if you have, um, of course, if you've already been diagnosed with prediabetes or diabetes, that's going to show up in your A1C. Your fasting um, glucose is another great biomarker. So basically, you want to see that between 70 and 100. So if it's more than that, then that's showing that you probably have some high, high blood sugar and insulin resistance. This would be great for you to try to heal that. Um, a lot of people also don't realize that like things like PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome is essentially a, a marker of having insulin resistance. And so if you're struggling with that, any kind of hormonal issues, um, you'd be a great candidate for it. Um, even like acne, um, sleep issues, like there's so many things and they all relate back to hormones. And that's one thing that we haven't actually like really touched on highly so far, but keto, another huge benefit of that is that it really helps to heal your hormones and reset your hormones because it impacts insulin. And insulin is one of your master hormones. So all of our hormones in our body, we, we really don't learn a lot about this in school, but hormones are affecting everything. It's not just calories in, calories out. And so insulin um, basically down-regulates your sex hormones. 
And so if you're having any issues at all related to hormones, um, getting your insulin stable, even if you don't have these issues with blood sugar, can really help to heal issues like that. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yes, it definitely does. And you touched on, and I remember back to my Atkins days where I, I failed, I purchased those, what are those, ketone test strips. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you speak on that and what folks need those for and how they're used with keto? Yes. So um, for just to be clear, you don't need them. Okay. Um, it's just kind of, It's just kind of fun for people who like to make sure like, Ooh, am I doing this right? It's almost like getting that instant feedback of like seeing the number drop on the scale. It's another measure of quote unquote success. So you can make sure that like, okay, this actually is working. I'm in a state of ketosis, but you can know that you're in a state of ketosis from other things other than just peeing on the strip. Like you're going to notice like your breath is starting to smell a little bit different. Your mouth tastes a little bit weird. Um, basically getting an energy, getting that energy spike, you're sleeping better. Um, you probably will notice that your your bowel movements are a little bit different in the consistency as your body's switching over, switching states, um, things like that. And and typically, you know, we haven't touched on this yet either, but there's kind of this phenomenon known as the quote unquote keto flu. And it's just kind of this transition period where your body is switching from being primarily a sugar burner to being primarily a fat burner. It takes about 72 hours for your body to burn through all of the stored glucose in your body because you can store a little bit in your liver and your muscles, and that's called glycogen. So it takes about 72 hours for that to deplete. And then when that finally depletes, that's when your body is like, okay, we really are out of glucose. Now we need to be a fat burner. And so this period of about three to five days of adaptation, um, that's a thing where you start to get like headaches, you feel really lethargic. Um, you might be getting like leg cramps or feeling lightheaded when you stand up and not to scare anybody because this actually doesn't have anything to do with keto. It has to do with an electrolyte imbalance. And it's just the way that your body, um, your kidneys start to, um, instead of, uh, holding on to sodium, it starts to flush sodium out of your body. When you switch over to ketosis, it just has different signaling properties. And so a lot of us are getting the majority of our sodium from processed foods and carbohydrates every day. And your body needs sodium to run all of the electrical signals through your body, like your heart, your neurons, everything is running off of electrical signals. And if you remember back to high school biology, every cell can open and close and it has this sodium potassium channel and that's what is causing the cells to open and close. And so if your sodium gets out of whack, it just affects everything. And so you can supplement with electrolytes um, and sodium is the primary one that is at play there with the keto flu. Um, But to answer your question about the strips, so I was basically trying to get around about like, you're gonna know if you're getting into ketosis through other ways, but it's still cool to get that biofeedback. So you can buy these strips on Amazon or really like the diabetic section of any drugstore. They're called ketone urinalysis strips, and you can get about a hundred of them for like seven bucks. And so it's the most accessible way um, to measure your ketones if you'd like to do that. So you pee on the strip and it changes colors. And I always tell people, don't stress about how dark the color is. It's like being pregnant. You either are or you're not. Okay. And so, so many different things can affect the the depth of the color, um, the time of day, how hydrated you are, whether you just ate a meal, like so many different things. So as long as it's actually changing colors and not just like null, you're good. You're, you're in ketosis. Um, so that's, that's with the urine strips, but you can actually measure ketones in your blood as well. And that's a little bit more expensive because you got to buy the blood meter. Um, a keto mojo is a really popular brand. You can buy that on Amazon and you can test your blood sugar, your glucose, um, as well as testing your blood ketones. But those strips are expensive. They're like over a dollar per strip. 
Um, my preferred way of measuring ketones is actually the breath meter. Um, but for people that are just dipping their toes in, they might want to just start with the urine strips because the breath meter costs about $100 to $150. Um, but it is actually probably going to save you money in the long run if you're the type of like person that really loves biofeedback because you'll wind up spending money re replenishing the, the urine strips. Um, but also another thing about the breath is that it's actually the most accurate measure over time. And this is something important with those urine strips. Your body actually becomes more efficient at burning ketones for fuel. And so therefore less of it is going into your waste. And then people freak out when the strip's not changing color anymore. But it's like, well, actually, no, that's a, that's a really good thing. You're not doing anything wrong. Your body has just learned to use ketones for fuel. And so instead of your body producing this overabundance, not knowing what to do, your body has gotten really good at only producing the amount of ketones that you need. Your body's using them and therefore it's not showing up in your waste. Okay. That that's great information. Now, let me ask mm -hmm. you just to touch back on fruits, for example, what kind yeah. of fruits can folks eat on the keto diet? So Again, I like to say um, keto is not a yes or no foods list. It's a metabolic state. And so remember that everybody has their individual threshold of how many carbs they can tolerate, right? But again, if you're starting with, let's just say 50 carbs per day, then I would just say, look up the um, carb counts of fruits, like just Google carb counts of different fruits. And so you're going to notice that berries are the lowest carbs, mm -hmm. Right? right. So definitely berries are the lowest sugar. And then there's another thing you can look up called the glycemic index. Now, glycemic index doesn't always parallel the carb count, but it's pretty similar. And basically, glycemic index means how much and how fast does this thing spike your blood sugar? And so typically, you're going to have like a little kind of carb ladder of fruits. And so, oh, by the way, a lot of people don't realize that olives, avocados and tomatoes are fruits technically. So mm -hmm. um, you can have all of those um, on, on a keto or a low carb diet. Um, so those are the lowest carb fruits, berries. And then probably the next thing would be like peaches, um, melons, like cantaloupe, um, or honeydew melon or watermelon, and then maybe then like an apple. And then all the way up at the top, the things that are like the highest glycemic are like citrus fruits, like oranges, pineapples, um, anything tropical, like mangoes and things like that. So I, I wouldn't say avoid any of those things, but I would say keep it within your carb count for the day as you're experimenting. And then if you're going to use a biofeedback tool, you can actually see how that's affecting your blood sugar or your, or your ketones or your, or just your weight. If it's, you know, if it caused the scale to go up the next day, then that's kind of an indication as well. Okay. So I like that because you see so many people telling folks, if you're going to do keto, you got to stay, um, within a certain range of fruits, usually berries, like you said, um, you know, I, I share with my clients and I personally follow <laughs> the glycemic index just, I, and I don't, I'm probably more mm -hmm. low carb. I'm kind of like you are right now. Um, yeah. you don't really want to restrict folks, but you need to be aware of how it's affecting you. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And you're not saying, you know, only eat blueberries <laughs> because I've seen, I've seen that where people are saying, all, all I eat, all I ever eat is blueberries, you know, right. Oh, maybe strawberry here and there, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, and I think that yeah. turns a lot of people off. Okay, one other thing I want to say about fruit and really carbs in general is if you pair your carbs with fat and protein, it has a totally different response in your blood sugar than if you just eat pure carbs. So there's kind of this phrase to easy to remember, no naked carbs. Okay. So if you just eat 
an apple. It may spike your blood sugar super high, but if first you have a salad with some grilled chicken on it and some olive oil, right? And so, and then you finish your meal by having your fruit at the end of your meal as your dessert, not an hour later, right at the end of your meal, like the, the blood sugar response is completely different. And so one of the people I love to follow on Instagram, her name is glucose goddess. Yes. Um, I, love I think her. it's glucose.goddess, but you could type it in. She does these cool little infographs and she shows, and by the way, she's not low carb. She'll eat like a croissant and she'll be like, here's a croissant. Um, and then I ate my sausage after the croissant. And versus before, or here's, you know, I had some apple cider vinegar. That's another thing that can buffer the blood sugar response. And, you know, then here's the croissant after that, or um, here's the croissant. And then my blood sugar for an hour afterwards, but I took a 10 minute walk after this one. And she shows like the different variables that you can do to help your blood sugar. So it doesn't have to be an all or nothing mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. I follow her as well. And I I love, I love what she (laughs) shares in the tips now. Yeah. The skeptics out there want to know what effect keto has on cholesterol. (laughs) Should people be concerned? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is highly debated in the low carb community. And so I would recommend this resource. If anybody's really interested, dietdoctor.com is my favorite resource for getting low carb science. Um, And it legit is a whole team of doctors and they've been doing this for decades. So there are some fantastic articles on there about how keto or ketosis affects your cholesterol. So first of all, what is cholesterol? So cholesterol are basically little ferry boats in your blood that carry fat through the bloodstream. So fat just can't travel through the bloodstream on its own. Cholesterol is like a little ferry boat that that carries the blood through the bloodstream. So if you start primarily eating fat for fuel, instead of primarily eating sugar or glucose for fuel, it would stand rationally that you're going to need some more of those ferry boats to usher the fat to your cells for fuel, right? And so you're going to see an increase in cholesterol because you actually need that increase in cholesterol for your body to do its job to get energy to your cells, right? So that's one reason why cholesterol does tend to go up when you're eating a low-carb diet or a keto diet. Now, you'll see that your um, HDL, or what's been labeled as good cholesterol, will go up, as well as the LDL, or what's been labeled as bad cholesterol, can go up, right? So overall, you want to pay attention to your overall cholesterol, and you want to pay attention to your um, HDL to triglyceride ratio. Mm -hmm. That's something that's very important. Talk to your doctor about all of this, right? Um, But I'll share from my personal experience, my cholesterol did go up, and it caused me to freak out. Right. And so I was like, how can something that's helped me so much and helped me to lose weight and I'm feeling so much better and everything, how could this be sneakily behind the scenes hurting me? And so I started diving into the research. And one of the things, first of all, I learned what cholesterol was. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Another thing that makes sense is that when your body has just gone through a period of weight loss, there's going to be a temporary spike in your cholesterol. Again, because what's happening, your body is breaking down that fat and using it for fuel. And, and so it's needing more of those ferry boats to do its job. And so, but that can level out over time. And my cholesterol has leveled out over time. Um, the last thing that I learned is that LDL, which has been labeled as bad cholesterol, there's actually two different types of LDL cholesterol. There's fluffy <laughs> and yes. dense, right? These are so science, scientific terms, but they call it fluffy. Um, and so apparently the dense is more dangerous and the fluffy is not as dangerous. And so you can actually get a further test done to see what kind of LDL cholesterol are you actually dealing with? And that can help to provide some peace of mind as well. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I I have had to dig into the science for personal reasons too. My cholesterol is mm-hmm. typically higher, um, which freaks some some physicians out. But like you said, I have mm-hmm. I always check on my HDL to triglycerides and the ratio, mm-hmm. and I'm okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But you you have to go a little deeper. Um, you, you really do because unfortunately, a lot of our doctors, at least the you know, conventionally trained, they don't know this information. Mm -hmm. So I try to Mm -hmm. encourage folks, you know, do your research, take things a little bit deeper (laughs) to make sure you're armed with all the right information. So yeah, I appreciate you um, discussing all of that regarding cholesterol. Now you, you kind of touched on this. Well, not really alcohol. Can you have alcohol? (laughs) Yes. The answer is yes, but your mileage may vary because remember alcohol is a fuel source. And so first of all, you got to look at what is the, uh, what's, what's in your alcohol? Is it, is it a margarita? Because there's a lot of sugar in a margarita, right? Um, so, but there are lots of sugar-free alcohol options. Typically hard liquor doesn't really have any carbohydrates in it. A glass of wine that's not like you know, a sugary wine, um, but just like a, a, re- a dry red wine or white wine, there might be about like seven carbs in one serving of that. And so certainly from a carb perspective, yes, you can definitely incorporate that. Um, but basically your body will still even be producing ketones, but like you could check your check for ketosis afterwards. And you might even see that ketosis looks even a little bit higher after having alcohol, but it's like, remember that alcohol is a fuel source. And so it's going to slow down your fat burning. It's like you're introducing um, a different fuel source that's basically your body temporarily goes, oh, I can't burn fat right now because I have to burn alcohol. And so I just want to make it really, really clear. Even if you're consuming zero carb alcohol, it slows down fat burning. So it's basically just like your mileage may vary. See how you feel. Another thing that happens with alcohol is it causes inflammation in the body. And a lot of people don't realize this, but I mean, essentially... I don't want to demonize alcohol. I think that it can be done in moderation, but I certainly don't think there's any health benefits to alcohol. The reason why alcohol is burned first is because your body's like, oh crap, this is poison. (laughs) We need to burn this off. And so that's why that's your body's like, get this out, you know, and that's why it's got the number one priority. Um, So I realize that alcohol is like a very social thing. Um, Alcohol sometimes uh, helps, helps us to calm down. Um, you know, I, I'm not here to demonize it. I, I'm not here to demonize anything, but it can cause inflammation. It can weaken your immune system. And it also messes with your hormones. It causes estrogen to go higher. So basically like, you know, the, the, the beer belly in dudes, that's because it causes high estrogen. And so if you're looking for fat loss, especially around your midsection, and you want the scale to go down, um, your body, when it's in a highly inflamed state, will not lose weight. And so that's something that I have to work on with my clients all the time as well, is it's not just about the carb counts. It's what are you actually eating? And, you know, that's another thing that happens a lot with all these keto products that are out on the market. They're highly inflammatory. A a lot of these fake ingredients are highly inflammatory. And usually the first thing that I do when I see one of my clients stalling is remove alcohol. And it's like the floodgates just open. Your body just starts releasing weight. And I know that's like a really touchy subject for a lot of people. Um, And certainly it's not something that I say in the beginning. I'm like, let's see how it goes. You know, you want to have your three beers on Saturday every weekend. Okay. A lot of people can totally pull that off. No problem at all. But then if every single week you're losing four pounds 
And by the weekend, you've gained them back. If you're so sick of that, okay, let's try a weekend without any alcohol. And then you'll be convinced that, you know, okay, this is worth it to me to actually remove this. Yeah. yeah, the alcohol is a struggle for many of my clients. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. But yeah. the ones that actually listen and leave it alone for a while, they do feel better. They feel better. And they, yeah. you know, they lose weight. So I agree with you yeah. 100% about that. Mm-hmm. I want to share with you a cool product. Uh, hold on. I want, to sh- I want to share this cool product that I learned about. Um, it's an alcohol replacement drink. And these are starting to become more popular. And what they do is they actually provide, um, oh, what are these called? It's going to escape my mind. It's not an adaptogen. It's something that affects your neurotransmitters in your brain. And it's completely normal, natural. GABA is one of them. If you think of it, let me know. Um, But it actually provides the relaxation. So there's no buzz to it whatsoever, but it actually provides a calming, relaxing effect. And it's kind of like a seltzer that tastes like a truly and they're sugar-free. It's called Zenify. They have other brands of this, but this is the one that's available in the States for sure. Zenify, Z-E-N-I-F-Y. They make a kind that does have sugar and they have a kind that's sugar-free. So make sure you're getting the sugar-free version. Um, My clients love this. It's a totally fantastic alcohol replacement. And again, they say, you know, obviously you don't get a buzz, but it does relax you. And it's so nice to just, you know, pour it in the same cup that you would normally, or if you like to drink the seltzers out of the can, that's going to feel good for you, but pour it in your wine glass. If it feels good to hold your wine glass, sometimes it's nice to just have a substitute and like not herbal tea, but it's like an actual, (laughs) you know, it feels like an alcohol replacement. Oh, thank you for that, Jess, because I haven't heard of that. So now I'm going to go search (laughs) and find it. That, that is awesome. I, I would love that. Now, one last question, because I know some of the listeners are going to be thinking this, and I hate to ask it. Well, I won't say I hate to ask it, but how long? How long does it take the average person on keto to lose weight? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, (laughs) So you see these success stories online where it's like, I lost 50 pounds in one month on keto, right? Um, Of course, there's always going to be these extremes, right? And you know what? Most coaches that I see, they will always put front facing their most drastic success stories of their clients. If you go over to my social media, um, I'm the at the keto fit on Instagram and elsewhere. You're going to see what it really looks like to lose weight because I will show you what it looks like to be 12 pounds different in eight weeks. Like, and I do a before and after photo because we're so used to seeing these before and after photos that are ridiculous. Like they're on magazine covers. And then we think what's wrong with me? Like real weight loss is slow and steady and sustainable. And from my perspective, it has to be enjoyable. And so it has to be sustainable and enjoyable in order for you to stick with it long-term. So not just keto weight loss, but any weight loss. It's been basically scientifically substantiated that the most sustainable form of weight loss that will not come back on once you start to bring your calories back up to maintenance or once you start to eat more in a maintenance lifestyle is to lose about 1% of your body weight per week. So there's no number that's right for everybody, but 1% of your body weight per week, if you weigh 200 pounds right now, that's two pounds per week. And by the way, remember that when you get down to 170, that's 1.7 pounds per week and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, if you weigh 400 pounds, you, you can lose four pounds a week, you know? And so when we see people with these, you know, putting a number out there, like I lost this number of pounds in this many weeks, 
Well, just think like, yeah, but where did you start and where did you wind up? So I think that's a really good marker that I share with my clients. Like, because expectate unmet expectations, it then you'll feel like a failure. But if we can get some really realistic expectations of like, okay, this is really good, healthy weight loss. And with keto or a low carb diet, you may see some initial water weight release in the beginning. Um, but then pretty much after that first week, 1% of your body weight loss per week. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because that's a big thing that my clients struggle with. I don't, I'm, I'm like you, I want it to be safe. I want it to be sustainable. I think if you lose it too fast, you're going to put it back on real quick. Um, Mm -hmm. but like you said, yeah, people are posting these folks with these quick weight loss and we really don't know what they did, honestly. Um, so, you know, people see that then you, you know, (laughs) people are seeing these diet shots and they're like, maybe I'll Mm -hmm. try that. Everybody wants it quick and overnight. And, you know, if you're trying to do this healthy, whether you try keto or whatever it is, it's, it's a process. Um, and like you said, you're not going to lose 10 pounds in a week. I'm sorry, but it will come off and you'll be happy and and feel better. I mean, that's the biggest thing. How do you feel? And that's what I tell my clients and stop looking at the scale so much. Like how, what other victories have you had other than the scale? What are your non-scale victories? You know, are your pants Mm -hmm. fitting looser? You know, (laughs) do you feel better? So this was great, Jess. I really appreciate you coming on now, please share with the listeners how they can find out more about you, your coaching services, social media, whatever you want to share. Sure. So um, I help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. And so some of the mindset stuff we haven't really gotten to touch on today, but the things that I really specialize in are helping women to break out of that all or nothing mentality um, to reduce emotional eating and to really move from like a food restriction mindset into a food boundaries mindset. And so I, I'm just such a nerd for all things mindset. We've kind of talked about like rewiring the beliefs from childhood and things like that. That's the type of work that I really love to do with my clients. And honestly, I look at keto as um, like, it's like a brain change tool that actually finally creates the mental space for you to be able to do this deep inner work. Because it's almost like when you need um, like an antidepressant or something to help you with your anxiety, because you're in such pain and turmoil every single day that you can't even think about going to therapy and like actually doing the inner work. And so if you can give yourself that, um, not only the metabolic advantage, but the, the brain advantage of actually freeing up your brain from that constant pain of every day, feeling like a failure, then you're going to have so much open brain space. And you're going to be like, Oh my God, I feel good. And then, you know, keto didn't help me to heal my relationship with body dysmorphia. It didn't help me to heal my relationship with emotional eating or any of those things. I had to do the inner work of doing that, but I never would have been able to do it if I was still feeling that, that pain of self-sabotage every single day and the shame every single day. And so that's what I do with women is like help you with the concrete strategies to actually help you lose weight, but also to heal your relationship with food and weight and body image in the long run. So if you want to, um, you know, go on that journey with me, I first love to share some free resources. I have a podcast as well. It's called self care keto. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts, there is a dash self dash care keto. Um, and so I'm always talking about different mindset topics and also some of the strategy stuff, you know, like you've asked me like, Hey, should I take like these exogenous ketones, things like that? Like the, just the typical keto questions that we always do. Um, so you can check out my free podcast. 
I've, I've got some other free resources for your listeners today. I've got a free holiday guide that's out right now, and it's called the Self-Care Keto Holiday Guide. And people can um, get that. I'm sure you can share the links in the show notes, but it's bit.ly slash self-care keto holiday. And then I've also got a free emotional eating class that's out right now because emotional eating is something that we can all relate to, but especially this time of year, it's really hard. Um, people can get that at bit.ly slash meeting my own needs. And so that's really the gist of it, right? Is like, how do you reduce your emotional eating? Realize, oh, it's just a substitute for the real unmet needs in your life. And so what are those? And let's try to get at the root of the issue. And then we won't need to keep relying on food as a substitute so much in our lives. We won't keep needing to self-soothe and numb out from a life that we hate if we actually design a life that we love. So um, those are some free resources for people. Um, if you head on over to my website, theketofit.com, you can learn more about some of my paid resources. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I also have an online course that allows you to do some self-coaching at your own pace. Um, and then I'm on social media. So I'm at the Keto Fit on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And I just got on TikTok, but I'm self-care keto on TikTok because the keto fit was taken. <laughs> so I was late <laughs> to the TikTok game, but you can find me there as well. Okay. This was awesome, Jess. And I, I, I wish we had more time because I definitely want to talk to you me about too. mindset or emotional eating. And maybe you can come on again because those are really big issues and that we all struggle with, myself included, my clients. Mm -hmm. So it, you're right. It does require doing the inner work. It, it mm -hmm. really does. Yeah. So please, we got to arrange a time for you to come back on. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jess. This was a really informative, super packed inf information that I know the listeners are going to love. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Well, there you have it. Another great episode this time with Jess Reed of the Keto Fit. I hope you took notes during this episode. I should have mentioned that at the top of the episode. I should have mentioned that you need to bring out your pad and pencil and take notes, but that's the beauty of podcasts. You can always rewind and listen to it again. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode of the Go Hard Chick podcast, please leave a rating and review. It really helps me to continue to bring on fabulous guests like Jess Reed. Thanks again for listening, Go Hard Chicks. Take care.